Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hey, welcome back. So for my first podcast of 2020 and of the 2020s, I want to share with you five concrete ways that you can... It sounds so cheesy saying it, but but be the change that you want to to see in the world. And and I'm going to kind of unpack that phrase and why I'm not always a huge fan of it. But before we get into these five ways, I want to quickly share a goal that, that I have. Not for 2020, it's not a resolution or anything, but a goal by the end of this month, by the end of January, uh, to, to move as much of my audience off of YouTube onto the podcast world. So I'll share some numbers with you because I think it, it, it's helpful to get some insight into this. So for the two-week period stretching from, I think, December 11th to December 24th, right, 14 days there, I averaged in the podcast, various podcast platforms, 367 listens. From December 25th to December 30th, like a six days total there, I average 449 listens. That's a pretty significant increase. And it's largely been because of so many of you guys switching over because I've, I've asked you to, kindly ask you to, hey, check out my podcast, right? Uh, get away from YouTube. And by the end, here's my goal. I'm at 449 roughly now. By the end of January, I want to be at 700 listens a day. That's my goal. And I think I absolutely can achieve that with your guys's help obviously even if i listen to every one of my episodes like five times after i publish it that's still not gonna be enough i need you guys on board helping me out so that's my request of you for those of you on youtube there's a link down below in the description if you want to follow me on apple Podcasts or spotify uh but anyways that's my goal not really resolution and and to be honest i'm not a huge fan of resolutions i think they i don't know that's just me personally and of course, this is my segue into my actual podcast today. However, I think as we start the new decade, start the new year, I think it is appropriate to talk about some some concrete ways that we can achieve some of the overarching goals that we have uh, in the world, or at least fight some of the things that, that we oftentimes get so frustrated about. You know, in this in my time in having this podcast, this YouTube channel, I have encountered a uh, witness uh, experienced a lot of frustration you know when you become more informed about how the world works at the financial level at the political level at the societal level you know when you become more informed about how it all works you it's hard not to get frustrated it's hard not to get frustrated with things like like jeffrey epstein and and how that all went down in 2019 Right? It's hard not to get frustrated with things like YouTube, you know, cracking down on, on free speech, you know, another reason to switch to my podcast. It's hard not to get frustrated with, with things like central banks and their, their never-ending quest to, to inflate away money and, and, and uh, further enrich the, the top 1% or 0.1% of society. It's hard not to get frustrated with what would seem to be a never-ending cycle of war around the world oftentimes instigated by the West, sometimes not, though. I mean, the United States, yeah, we, we're, we're guilty of starting a lot of wars and conflicts and, and killing a lot of innocent people. But, but even countries, uh, I should say even countries, but, but unsurprisingly, also countries like, like China are responsible for huge human rights abuses. 
Same thing goes for, for you know, many, many other countries. Uh, the world is an ugly place. And it's easy to get frustrated. I feel that frustration. However, what, what I don't want from you guys is a sense of resignation or a sense of isolationism. That, that sucks and I'm just going to hunker down until everything falls apart. Or the sense of resignation that I, <laughs> I can't change this. I'm just one person. Because it's true. We are just one person. And, and sometimes one person can be instrumental in, in changing the course of history. But I'm going to guess that most of my listeners don't have the last name Rothschild. You're probably not Mark Zuckerberg. You're not Barack Obama. You're not uh, Vladimir Putin. Whatever, right? We're, we're just a lot of, you know, to, to use the phrase, average Joes, right? Our wealth generally is not putting us in the top 1%. Maybe when you look at us uh, across the whole uh, spectrum of, of the world, when, when you compare us to third world countries, most of my listeners are from the West. And so, yeah, your wealth is probably in the top 10% compared to you know the third world and whatnot. But still, it's, it seems like it's just not enough. However, you know, I am a big believer when it comes to this stuff in the power of, of movements. Oftentimes, movements without uh, an organized uh, leader, without a, an organized uh, power structure, because oftentimes one of our big goals is to, to tear down tyranny. And, and then when you have that type of a power structure, when you have a leader like that, it oftentimes can lead to, to a search from one tyranny to another. And that's something, obviously, I think a lot of us want to, to avoid, right? Uh, but, but enough talk, right? Uh, one thing I want to make clear, though, before I get to this list, five different ways you can make a change. I do get frustrated about this stuff. But, and I'm going to get to this at the end of this podcast, I don't find my peace or my, my joy or my happiness from how these things go in the world, right? Even when it comes to, to my own personal situation, my, my finances, my, my relationships with my family or my wife or friends or whatever, I do my very best, though I fail often, to not get my peace and my joy from that because ultimately that, that leads to a lot of disappointment. Uh, the world disappoints. The world's a, an ugly place, right? Ultimately, I derive my peace, my joy from, from my creator, from my relationship with God, Right? To bring him glory brings me joy, brings me peace, right? And, and I'll get to that more, that, you know, spoiler alert, that's number five on the list, and, and we'll unpack that more a little bit later on in this podcast. But let's get to this list and number one on this list and uh, ways that you can make a change in the world. Precious metals. <laughs> it doesn't come as any surprise, right? This is still the Silver Fortune channel. But precious metals, I think, have to be included in this list. Why? Why include precious metals? Well, it sort of wraps into to my, my next uh, way that you can make this change, and that's kind of your overall finances and your money. Because money and, and the financial system are, is, is so important to, to today's power structure. But precious metals, I think, is where we have to start, silver and gold. Because ultimately, silver and gold are, are or financially, and in terms of, of even financial freedom, how you can take back a certain amount of that freedom yourself. You know, in the past, a big theme on this podcast, on this YouTube channel, has been uh, the, the, a monetary revolution, right? Uh, this idea that there's so many people that feel a revolution is necessary, and I'm not necessarily going to disagree with that. However, we don't have to always resort to violent means because revolutions are ugly and and as i said oftentimes movements like that lead from from one tyranny to another 
And obviously we want to avoid that if we can. And a monetary revolution is a great way in moving in that direction. And I think you have to start with precious metals. That today's power structure in the world that we so often get frustrated about, whether it's market rigging or central banks propping up markets and propping up the wealthy and, and propping up governments through, through things like debt monetization, keeping down interest rates, all that, it all ultimately depends on one's belief in the financial system and the fiat currency. And, and their support of it, right? And precious metals have to be mentioned in that subject. That if you're frustrated with the structure, whether you're liberal or conservative, libertarian or whatever other, you know, wherever else you are in the spectrum, precious metals have to come into the conversation. Because precious metals, physical precious metals in your own possession, choosing to move your wealth into that is is perhaps even more powerful than, than a vote at the ballot box. And, and I think physical is important, right? I think physical versus just buying SLV or GLD or something like that is, is like the difference between voting at a ballot box and, and voting on a random online poll about who you think should be the next leader of your country, right? There's obviously a huge difference between those two things, right? And so I think precious metals is where we have to start. Just like when Russia chooses to, or China chooses to buy gold as part of their reserves, it's an attempt at de-dollarization. And, and ultimately, for those of us, whether we're in the U.S. or, or, or if you're in Canada or Australia, maybe it's de-Australian dollarization or de-Canadian de-dollarization or, or de-poundization, de-euroization, whatever. Uh, moving into precious metals is, is a vote against those fiat currencies, a vote against the government that uses those fiat currencies, a vote against those central banks. Vote against that power structure with your own money. And it just so happens to be a, a great way to also protect your wealth in, in what I think is going to be a pretty tumultuous decade. Right? You think 2020 was, or 2010s was, was crazy. 2020s are going to be even crazier, I think, in terms of, of policies carried out by central banks and governments to, to try and uh, uh, perpetuate the current system, perpetuate the current credit bubble. Right, and and precious metals have to be a part of of moving away from that. But but they're also I think instrumental in in carrying out this monetary revolution. Right, that's number one on the list, and and that probably shouldn't come as any surprise to most of you. But number two on this list is very similar, and that's just money in general, money, currency, fiat, whatever you want to call it. Your finances play a role in in how today's power structure is set up. You know, an example I'll give is the 2008 financial crisis. You know, we have it on record, a member of Congress, I forget his name, I forget exactly which board he served on, but he, he, he uh, it's a very common interview, you can search it, you can probably search uh, 2008 financial crisis, congressman, financial collapse, right? Just search that on Google or YouTube, and, and you'll find this video of this guy talking about how, you know, before the Fed, before the government stepped in, the U.S. financial system, the global financial system, was on the brink of collapse because of this huge withdrawal of liquidity from the system, largely through like money markets and, and similar channels as that. And and ultimately that liquidity was restored, order was restored, and, and crisis, at least for the time being, was averted. However, I think that's important to understand that that today's financial system depends on on our finances. And, and this isn't an attempt by me to, to steer you away from 
classic ways to to save or to save for retirement. I'm talking IRAs and 401ks and pensions and and your own personal investment portfolio and, and mutual funds and hedge funds and all. No, but I think we have to understand that putting money in those accounts does help perpetuate the current system. I mean, how many of you guys have, have thought like, how is this debt picture here in the United States, especially at the government level, still hasn't completely fallen apart? How does the government continue to fund itself? How does it continue to fund, uh, find buyers for all these bonds? I mean, that's really the question we have to ask is not how high can the debt go, but how much longer can the Treasury find buyers other than the Fed for these bonds? But you also have to understand that if you have a 401k, if you have an IRA, if you own mutual funds and whatnot, uh, check what, what those funds are actually in. If you have a pension fund, check what those funds are in. And unless you've decided to, to be a little bit more aggressive and, and purely go with like a stock play or to, to avoid bonds altogether or something like that, it's, it's very likely that you hold some amount of U.S. government debt. You might hold foreign debt, right? You very may well hold some of that negative yielding debt around the world, Japanese or German or whatever other countries are negative yielding right now, right? And I'm not trying to say like you're part of the problem, but but you have to understand that your finances play a role in that. Domestic investors here in the United States have been one of the biggest buyers over the last year or two of U.S. treasury bonds. And some of it's banks trying to help out the U.S. government because they know that they have sort of a a symbiotic or, or parasitic relationship going on that that if the host dies so does the bank but but i think it's important to understand that it's also investors like like you and i you know with 401ks i, I don't have one but but you know those types of accounts that help to fund the deficits and perpetuate the current uh, power structure right but but moving to it you know moving even further than that things like debt debt creation helps perpetuate the current credit bubble um uh, various ways of, of leverage helps to perpetuate it. Um, even, even you know, to take it to another level, consumer goods, consumption, um, especially excess consumption, whether it's debt-based or not, as opposed to saving, helps perpetuate the current system. I'm not saying, like, you should feel bad for buying your kids Christmas presents or anything like that, but you have to understand that today's U.S. economy, much of West, uh, many Western economies, are consumption-based they grow on the basis of consumption. And I'm talking purchase of, of consumer goods. Now, some of them are, are pretty necessary in terms of food, transportation, housing, fuel, energy, healthcare, all that, okay? Those are necessarily all consumer goods, but they're all, you know, consumption, right? But there's also the extras, the brand new car when, when a used car would have done just fine or... or a new cell phone even though you got one six months ago or a new laptop tv you know all those things i get it i'm not trying to dissuade you from buying those things but i'm saying you have to understand that those perpetuate the current economic cycle perpetuate this consumption-based economy right so keep that in mind right and make your decisions accordingly i mean you have to understand that that in many ways i'm i'm i can be a hypocrite when it comes to to this one uh my longtime listeners, you guys know I'm a grad student, right? I don't do this professionally, right? I'm not like a professional asset manager or anything like that. I'm a grad student, right? Finishing up grad school. I'm a couple months away for those of you that have been tuning in. You know, I started in this channel back in 2016 when I was a, uh, what, a, probably a senior in, in, in college, my, my bachelor's degree. And and I've been in college since. And, and what is what happens with that? Well, 
debt, unfortunately, a lot of student loan debt, right? Um, and, and I carry other forms of debt as well, right? My finances are not picture perfect. And, and part of it's just that, you know, if, if I could go back, I would certainly make different decisions. I, I started this channel and I came to these realizations well after I was in kind of the past the point of no return in terms of, of degrees and debt and all of that in many ways. But it is certainly something that I need to be cognizant of as I have more financial freedom, as I can make more of these decisions for myself, that, that every decision I make in terms of debt or in terms of consumption, in terms of investments and where I put my money can perpetuate or tear down today's power structure, today's kind of uh, economic and financial power structure, which ultimately is what gives power to today's political and geopolitical power structure. Right? You want to know why corporates are so well, corporations and, and their CEOs are so wealthy or, or why the government has so much power. A lot of it comes back to those things right there. Number three in this list, and, and this relates directly to my podcast, and that's media. How do you make your decisions with media? Media, we, we've learned just how powerful media is in the past three years. I think we've learned more in the past couple of three years than, than we have in the last 10 years maybe prior to that. But just how powerful media is in creating a narrative or or stopping a narrative from ever really reaching the presses, right? And some of that has to do with the election and our current president and, and his beef with the media, which I think is entirely legitimate. But But we have to understand that media, mainstream media, on either side of the aisle is is in some way, shape, or form guilty of this. Even if you may agree with certain opinions, certain media outlets more than others. I know I certainly do. There, this is absolutely true. And and in this time span, and even before the twenty sixteen election, we've seen this emergence. I shouldn't say emergence because it's been around for a long time. Uh, but this this growth of what we'd call the alt media, the alternative media, which I count myself a member of. But there's plenty of other huge outlets out there. You know, the big ones are are sometimes a little bit more conspiracy-minded, uh, things like Alex Jones and InfoWars, but also some more rational-minded ones like Zero Hedge, right, uh, and, and everything else in between. But the alt-media, as well as the alternative financial media, like Zero Hedge, like Wolf Richter, like the Credit Bubble Bulletin, and, and all these dozens or hundreds of podcasts and YouTube channels out here and... and blogs and all that those are important right and and i think it's important that you are cognizant of what and how you consume your media am am i saying tune out voices you disagree with or tune out mainstream media no not necessarily there's nothing wrong with anything it can be even helpful to listen to cnn or msnbc or you know whatever i mean put on something that you know you're going to disagree with put on the young turks youtube channel or something like that right um not not to to get yourself all angry and fired up and everything but but to recognize some patterns that you maybe didn't recognize before when you need mealtime inspiration it's worth shopping kroger where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie and no matter what tasty choice you make you'll enjoy our everyday low prices plus extra ways to save like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week you can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points more savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping kroger worth it every time kroger fresh for everyone fuel restrictions apply to be exposed to other 
ideas, even if you see through a lot of their, their lies or see through a lot of their things that you totally and completely disagree with, right? There's something wrong with that. However, what I do think is important is that the alternative media has a bigger and bigger voice. I and, and so many others are never going to have the voice of the media giants, right? Those are the ones that are sitting in on White House press conferences. Those are the ones that work together with, with governments the world over and intelligence agencies and, and each other to, to craft narratives. I'm never going to have that power, right? However, by the hundreds of thousands, the millions, tens of millions, billions, alternative media has and will continue to make a difference, right? So that's sort of my, my I guess, plug for myself, right? Uh, listen to me more, <laughs> but not just me. I mean, there's so many other great, great uh, creators, so many great uh, voices out there, right? But this also even plays what I said at the beginning, switching a podcast format away from YouTube. Like, yeah, most podcast platforms, you know, Spotify is a big company, Apple Podcasts, yeah, Google's owned by the same parent company as YouTube, obviously. There's smaller ones out there, Pocket Cast and Radio Public and, and, and Anchor is now owned by Spotify and, and plenty of other ones out there. But I can tell you one thing, uh, listening to me on Apple Podcasts generally doesn't give Apple any money. Listening to me on Google Podcasts gives Google no money, which is not the case for YouTube, Right? Do you want to know? You know, I you hear ads on this podcast if you're in the in the podcast world, uh, which are spoken by me. Do you want to know who gets that money? It's it's me, and to some extent, it's it's Anchor slash Spotify. Anchor's recently bought out by Spotify. Yes, a large corporation, but but not the threat to free speech that that YouTube and Google has been, and to some extent, even Apple. Right. So you're still in some sense supporting their platforms. Maybe you you're not giving them a penny though. Not a penny, right? And so, you know, how you consume your media, I think, is also important. Not only what media you consume, and that's something to keep in mind. There's plenty of other alternatives out there. I sort of pushed podcasts, obviously, for my own platform uh, or for my own podcast. But but there's also BitChute out there. There's Steemit and there's DTube and there's um, plenty of other options out there. To, to get your media there's there's individual websites there's your hedge your silver doctors all of that um, but but i do think that diversifying away from youtube could be a goal for you in, in 2020 uh maybe that's just me being a little bit biased though but but finally uh four on this list we're almost to number five here let's see where are we at for time 20 plus minutes that's all right we're doing fine here on time family it's number four on this list some people would call it like their own community their own tribe but family i think is so important you know, I think of my my own family, my my two girls. Uh, one's coming up on a year, the other one's uh, coming up on on three and a half years. They're young. Um, and 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 much of what I'm talking about here today or on my channel would go over their heads. I mean, it's come on, they're they're, they're kids, right? But I think the way that one raises their kids is so important to being the change they want to see in the world. Right? Let's dispel that notion of it takes a village to raise a kid or to raise a family. Like, yeah, there's nothing wrong with grandma and grandpa helping out or your local church or your friends or, or community, whatever, right? But take some responsibility for your own family. Even if that's as a grandparent, as, as, a, as an aunt, an uncle, a, a friend of, of some 
people that have kids or whatever, right? Be that voice that shapes their worldview. And it doesn't have to be like, you know, the, the, the key points of this worldview would probably not be that, you know, taxation is theft or that governments are inherently evil. Those are important things to maybe bridge the subject of, of later on in, in, in one's adolescence. But I'm talking about basic things like morality and whatnot, right? <laughs> Basics things like like understanding that, that education uh, the public education system is, is not all that it's cracked up to be and that, you know, when kids go to public education, if, if that's, you know, the case, maybe maybe that's what you want to do or what you're kind of forced to do because of finances or time or whatever, to to at least help kids understand it as they grow, take those things with a grain of salt, that public education is not all it's cracked up to be, right? Um, that, that even the education we provide them should not be taken at face value, but to always question, always dig deeper into these subjects. To, to instill a curiosity in your child, I think, is such a valuable thing. You know, we, we, we've all seen that kids, all, all known that, that uh, teenager or whatever, that just doesn't have curiosity, right? And, and what that translates to is oftentimes an adult that doesn't have curiosity, an adult that just is really complacent in life, doesn't want to learn about anything, doesn't want to, to, to broaden their horizons or whatever. They're just fine with, with, I don't know, living in the moment, right? Maybe they're fine with focusing on their job, their career, focusing on uh, their, their next party or their next whatever relationship. But, but that's really oftentimes kind of a bit of a superficial there's nothing wrong with focusing on relationships and career and whatnot. But I think curiosity is such an important part of people's lives that oftentimes is not instilled at an early age. But I think it's such a valuable thing to instill. You know, and I could go on and on about different things. You know, I, I understand that, yes, I'm a young dad and I haven't experienced my kids going through through uh, adolescence and, and teenage years and all of that, right? And so I understand it's a challenge, especially those of you that have, have kids in that age range or have in the past, right? But I do think that family, you know, it's, you know, this idea of isolationism, the world sucks and I'm just going to wait it out until it gets, gets, you know, all falls apart, right? Or this resignation that the world sucks and there's nothing I can do about it. You know, the change that you can make through how you are as a, as a father or mother, I think flies in the face of that type of thinking, right? That the next generation isn't being raised right now. You have to understand that, that, you know, if, if you're a millennial, you're a Gen Xer, baby boomer, zoomer whatever you know you might have problems with other generations but you have to understand that yes to some extent they're responsible for their own decisions but that they're also a product of the environment that they grew up in and in their own parents right and sometimes you know parents aren't always the best and, and kids can break free of those influences but oftentimes they don't right uh, oftentimes they miss out on some key opportunities to learn to to whatever early on in life and so keep that in mind right that, that oftentimes it's, it's your own circle, your own community, your own family that is going to be your best way to, to change things in the world, right? Um, and the final thing I want to talk about here, which, which goes hand in hand with that last point, is, is ultimately a faith in, in God, right? You know, there's this theme in the Bible, especially in the New Testament, and, and I'm sure many of my Bible thumpers... <laughs> And I mean that in a in a very kind way, uh, but but uh, Christian followers and whatnot of mine understand what I'm talking about here. But there's this contrast from the Old Testament to the New Testament in terms of power structure. 
So what I mean by that is in the Old Testament, uh, you, you have these examples of, of kings and, and kingdom of, of Israel and its various tribes and whatnot. So you have King David uh, and various other kings, King Solomon and Saul and, and others. And, and there's always kind of this theme of, of those that follow God and are faithful to him find success in the world in, in building this kingdom, right? Uh, this, this kingdom of Israel, uh, you know, wiping entire civilizations off the map or winning these battles or, or whatever, right? And then you have other times where the kingdom falls apart because the king is not faithful to God or the people turn their back on God and they're enslaved or, or the kingdom shrinks or whatever, falls into disarray. But in the New Testament, that's, that's sort of flipped on its head. You know, I would argue that God's kingdom today is, is not determined by borders, by leaders, by countries or anything like that, but, but by God's people and, and, and his spirit, right? And so I'd argue that, that in many cases, you know, you have countries where there's oftentimes uh, Christian leaders or supposed Christian leaders in, in leadership, in, in politics, whether it's at the White House or, or 10 Downing Street, right? That's right, that's right one. 10 Downing Street, or in, in the ECB or the Fed or whatever, you know. Um, however, I would argue that God's kingdom is, is stronger and more powerful in places like Africa or Southeast Asia or even China, where Christians have not found that same level of political power, of, of what this world would call power, um, and instead have what, I don't know, we could call like a grassroots movement, Right, where it's not about who uh, holds the seats in, in various houses of, of government or, or who's in charge of such and such country or who's wealthy or whatever, but it's more about who's, you know, who's, who's actually keeping their faith in God and who is, is submitting to God on a daily basis. And that's not to, to talk down about Western Christians or anything, but you know, I, I've heard statistics recently, things like this, that like, uh, you know, it's estimated that on any given Sunday, there might be more Christians going to church in China, practicing Christians in China than there are in the United States. And I get it, you know, China has like three times our population or close to that. But, but, but the, uh, the, the, the comparison between those two, I mean, that's, that's not what we would consider, I guess, normal, because we think of the U.S. oftentimes as a, a little bit more of a Christian country and whatnot. Same thing goes for, for European countries and whatnot. But, but the reason I bring this up is that I do think that this is so important. Because I said before, you guys know I'm, I'm not ashamed about how, yeah, I'm a, I'm a big uh, fan of God. I'm a big uh, a follower of Christ. And and because of that, yes, I, I do recognize that I want to tear down the power structure of this world to some extent, the financial and, and political, geopolitical, economic, all of that. Okay, yeah. However... I realize that that's, A, not always going to be possible because the world's an ugly, evil place until God returns. It's, it's going to stay that way for the most part. Um, I would just prefer that that power's in, in fewer people's hands or it's more spread out, but but I digress. But but furthermore, I also know that, that yes, that's important, but it's never so much that I want our views or our political party or whatever to, to gain power. Ultimately, what I want is for God's kingdom to grow. Not whatever I would consider our political movement to grow, whether it's it's on the basis of, of what's money or precious metals or libertarianism or conservatism or whatever. Um, ultimately, what I want is for God's king to grow. And, and for my Christian listeners, this is a reminder to you 
that if you're looking for what you can change in the world, it has to start with God. It doesn't start with precious metals. Even if I put that number one on the list or money and how you invest it or how you spend it or the debt you hold, it doesn't start with, with even your family and how you raise them or media and, and, and how you consume your media and what you consume. No, it starts with God. And it starts with making yourself right with him, making sure that he's at the center of everything you do, right? Um, and, and building up his kingdom on this earth, which which to, to those that may not be believers, I mean, looks foolish. I mean, who? It's God uses the weak. He uses the meek to, to build his kingdom. And, and, and his kingdom in, in today's age is, is not what it was in the past. It's, it's not ruled by kings, you know, except for, for you know, the one true king. It's, it's not... Uh, huge palaces or castles or or huge walls or anything like that. No, it's 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 measured by by souls. It's measured by um, willingness to follow God and faithfulness and whatnot. Right. That's that's God's kingdom today. And this is a reminder for you and for those of you that aren't for my you know non Christian followers. It's a it's something to consider. Right. Um, ultimately, this is this is a decision that that you guys make and 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 it's certainly one i would i'd like you to make right to to choose to follow uh god i mean it was the the biggest decision in my life it wasn't um marrying my wife or anything else like that it's or to start this channel or anything like that you know those are all pale in comparison to my my decision that even though it was a decision you know done through through god's grace you know i i hardly feel i would ever have been able to make that decision on my own by my own uh faculties but it's it's something I encourage you to to consider that um, this world, even relating to what I was talking about earlier, this world, the, the power structure, the financial structure for thousands of years has been skewed towards evil, towards towards bad guys and bad women, and 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 it rarely is ever not the case that that that's kind of the power structure, right? That we so often get frustrated about. Right and and our movement to to try and fix that somehow to remedy that problem isn't new. Right, I imagine this has also been going on as long as as these types of power structures have existed, whether it's the Roman Empire or the British Empire or the American Empire. Pick your empire. It's it's always kind of been the case. And despite that, God's kingdom has has thrived. It's oftentimes thrived in. Uh, periods of oppression, periods of of when when what we would consider evil have have a lot of you know worldly power. I mean, the early church it it was it, it grew under the uh, I don't want to say supervision, but during the time of the Roman Empire, during a pretty t- dark time of the Roman Empire, right? And yet it thrived under that, right? The church today thrives in many ways in in places like China. Or, or other countries where, where persecution is, is high or, or where godlessness is, seems to be everywhere, right? And, and so my hope for, for those of you that are not Christians to, to consider what I'm talking about here, and I've, I've talked about this plenty in the past. I talked about it in my Christmas podcast. I've talked about it in my recent podcast about, I forgot what he was talking about, but it's talking about you know, where I get my peace. It's talking about how retirement and, and how we all you know, have these plans for retirement, but a lot of them are, are going to fail and whatnot. You know, ultimately, we need to find our peace not in finances or our house or 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 our stock market portfolio or whatever, but but ultimately in God, uh, because because you're not going to find that peace elsewhere. But I think it's also true in terms of of finding some level of of 
satisfaction or find, find some level of peace about uh, today's power structure. You know, once you recognize that that uh, the world's an evil place, in that the only remedy for that ultimately is is God. It's it's sobering, but it's also liberating, because all of a sudden uh, everybody's kind of equal on, uh, under God's eyes. And what I mean by that is it no longer matters if if your name is Mark Zuckerberg or average Joe Joe Johnson or whatever, right? Uh, it doesn't matter because a soul is a soul. A person is a person under God's eyes, right? There's no life on this earth that is more or less valuable than somebody else's. And so that sort of flips us upside down. And if all of a sudden you can further his kingdom and you can can chip away at what today's what what people today would call today's you know power structure, if you can chip away at that through through furthering God's kingdom, that's powerful. That's huge. I mean, this for for non-believer, this is a big leap. And right now, it's more so just about taking that leap of faith and and putting your faith in God, right? Um, but it is kind of the center of, of everything I do. Like, yeah, I talk about these other things, which I think are important. Doesn't mean we should neglect our finances and and where we put our money and whatnot, right? Doesn't mean that we should neglect how we raise our families or what or how we consume our media doesn't mean we should neglect precious metals. Those are all important. But ultimately, the most important way for me personally is, is to, to further God's kingdom in any way I can. So I'd love your thoughts on this. Leave me down below in the comment section. Shoot me an email if you're over in the podcast world. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast, first of 2020. Uh, I, I'm looking forward to 2020. I think it's going to be a huge year. Uh, I, I'm looking forward to having more of you guys switch over to my podcast. Remember, uh, by the end of, of this month, January, I'm looking for at least 700 listens on average per day. Maybe not per episode. It, it's kind of weird how it works, but at least 700 per day. Again, right, sh- you know, just shy of like 450 right now. So 250 listeners by the end of January, right? If you want to support me, that's probably the best way to do it. I mean, yeah, you can support me on Patreon. You can use my affiliate link to SD Bullying down below in the comment section. You can leave your like, your your comment, your subscription here on YouTube. But ultimately, what I what I want is for you guys to switch my podcast. And I really do think that it's it's superior platform to YouTube for my own content, but also because of some of the problems inherent with YouTube. So as always, thank you, every one of you, uh, for, for tuning in to today's podcast. And God bless.